Would you like to play a game? I would. This game is called Guess the Statistic. Oof, okay. (laughs) All right, so I have some stats here, and they're for different years. So I'll give the prompt first, and then I'll give the year, and you have to guess the percentage. Okay, I, I think this makes sense. Americans who think that most people can be trusted. Uh, What do you think the stat for that is in 1985? Uh, 65%. Kind of middle of the road. Yeah, I mean, you're right in that it's middle of the road. It's 50%. Everyone's like, I don't know, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Coin toss, you know? Yeah, who knows? What about 2014? 30%. You got it right on the nose. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) I don't have a stat for today, but I bet it's abysmally low. 30% are sweet baby boys. They're just like, yeah, you can trust them. They're nice. They're people. It's just children. They're cats. Yeah. Yeah. 30% of respondents were actually people's cats. (laughs) Do they have food? Yeah. You can trust them. Yeah, I love them. Americans who said they trusted the government most or all of the time. I've got a couple of different years here. Uh, the first started off in the good old days, 1958. Uh, I'm going to say they could trust him 70% of the time. No, no, no. So this is Americans who think they can pr- trust the government most or all of the time. So how many people uh, think that? Kind of more radical. Okay. Okay, well then, 60%. Of people say, yeah, definitely all, basically all the time. Surprisingly lower than I thought, too. It's 45. Ooh, skeptics even back then. Maybe they were like from the war or something, and they're like, they fucked me over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, what about 2015? <laughs> 10. It's actually 20. Whoa, okay. Yeah. Uh, so the same stat for some reason is 1985. I don't. <laughs> I guess maybe 1984 came out and they're like, you know, what? <laughs> <laughs> could be worse now. Yeah, 2017 just went down by two percentage points to 18. percent So again, really curious as to what the current stat is, but not curious enough to actually do the research. So there's still, I mean, by that math, probably like 10 percent of people who were like. Don't worry about it, guys. The government has it under control. Who <laughs> thinks this way? <laughs> like, genuinely. I mean, they're the government. They probably know what they're doing, right? You can trust them most or all of the time. Most or all of the time. And, like, the government, like, what does that mean? Is that everybody? Is that look like mm-hmm. what? That's everyone from the FDA to the CIA. To your, your local town council. Just yeah. anything. Like... <laughs> Well, they're in the government. Discriminate trust. (laughs) If you are government, you are good. Sure. (laughs) Uh, Those stats were from surveillance capitalism, but I couldn't find a good way to weave them into my notes, so I saved them on my miscellaneous doc that I bring (laughs) to these little shit-shooting sessions. Nice. It's like making sausage from the trimmings, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Making some gravy. Yeah. What's been on your mind... This week, you know, I feel like it's one of those Lenin weeks of, mm-hmm. you know, decades happening in the span of days sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, we got to talk about it. It's it's going to be <laughs> the big thing in the room for a while. I have a cursed Instagram post about it, though. 
About Israel's slaughter of Gaza? Yeah, but if you want a dumb one instead. I mean, I'll take take all comers, the, the brutal, the funny. All right. So this was reposted on like a body positivity account that I follow. But this That's one the original <laughs> source material. No, no, no. You're, it's going to get there. Uh, you didn't think I could bridge these topics, but I can. <laughs> this is like a... Like an improv exercise of they give you wildly different things. <laughs> Genocide and weight loss. Uh, so yeah, this they reposted uh, a post from the Jerusalem Post, whose mm. logo is really hideous. Uh, I should send it to you. We or just give it a Google. It's got like a twisted up Israeli flag bouncing out of the logo. It's it's really unfortunate. Oh, whoa, okay. A little <laughs> banner there. Okay. Isn't that weird? I don't think that's usual. I think that they they might is have... Is this their special? This is like their Freedom Prize version of... Yeah. Like their, you know, America-like <laughs> version. Because, like, seriously, they it looks... Their normal logo, if you just Google image search jpost.com or a Jerusalem post, it's pretty staid. I mean, it's just like a red, little red rectangle. Yeah, just a little red bar underneath the regular but they had to make sure everyone knew that they were pro-israeli government and like they backed the troops basically oh yeah bring them home it's like 2001 (laughs) it's 2001 and 2003 again we're doing that again consult your millennial elders and you know because we were we were kids at the time i guess but maybe consult your elder millennial elders there we go you know they would really know but still uh, we, we get the vibes we're like ooh. Something's wrong yeah. like it used to be. Well, well, I would say we listened to the songs that told us about that. And, and we were able to understand them years later, you know, mm-hmm. like, like Bright Eyes was like so anti-Bush. It was amazing. Is there, are they the ones that the, when the president talks to God one? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's really you don't one. understand like what they're doing there. You just know they're pissed and yeah. you like it. <laughs> anyway. So this reputable source, I say reputable with big sarcasm, uh, this is now a deleted article because the article was called How to Use the Stress from the Israel-Hamas War to Lose Weight. (laughs) The ongoing state of stress and anxiety in Israel has led to weight gain for many, but understanding how stress works can actually aid in shedding pounds while maintaining overall health. Jesus. (laughs) Wow. The only excuse for that sort of an article is if your editor himself was like taken out in one of the attacks or something like, or was, uh, was, you know, head deployed to Gaza. (laughs) And so there, that's how it slipped through. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. They took it down because they were like, oh yeah, this is like really crass and tasteless, huh? (laughs) Someone like who had their family wiped out and then strike, you know, like, because it's not. Just like Gazan refugees and everything who arguably would not be reading the Washington, the Jerusalem Post, but like journalists and aid workers and people of like the, the sort of class of people who would have readily access to this, like then seeing that, that like cr- crudity on, ah, that's wild. Yeah. I mean, shit is fucking rough out there. I, I watched a video, uh, this, this, I think she's like 26 or something. Maybe she's 20. She's really, she's pretty young, but this woman, uh, was like documenting, like she's, she's a Palestinian. She's documenting what's going on. And it was just the conditions. Like they were all trying to shelter in this hospital, but then they started bombing the hospital 
And, you know, she was talking about, um, you know, they're standing in line for water and bread and all this stuff and just barely getting enough and not really at that at all. She's like, I haven't had water since 8 a.m. And she got this like tiny little bottle of water. It was it was really tough to watch. I mean, it wasn't like gruesome or graphic or anything, but like it's not enough just to watch the suffering and say I, I did my part. But it is, I think, important because like the amount of both sides talk you're going to hear from like regular ass people mm-hmm. is going to be a lot. So like you need to know like what's happening on the ground there and just like the sheer suffering and the sheer amount of like children that are getting killed in this. Like what it was like 50% of Gaza's population or maybe 60 is children. Yeah. And they're getting bombed. Yeah. I think that's, crucial to keep an angry edge uh in terms of your experience it's, just, it's too easy to get bogged down and just be like damn this sucks and what are we gonna do and it's just like there's nothing man this is just gonna keep happening it always happens there and that you know that's it yeah yeah i mean it's just it's heavy stuff for sure but like I don't know. I guess I I am really grateful to these people for documenting what's happening so that we can see what's going on, you know, like on the ground and everything. And it is really frustrating to see how much of mainstream culture is still not. I don't know. I, I feel like the tide's turning a little bit for sure. But I don't know. Just if you talk to just like a person, <laughs> just a regular person, like you have no idea where they're going to land on this thing, you know? I feel like everyone's so scared. They're just being like, oh, it's war is bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's my first like interaction with people just to be neutral on it. I was like, oh, yeah, it's really the most I'll inject is like, it's really bad. You know, they're, you know, the people of Gaza and everything are really getting, really getting hit hard. You know, Israel is really pounding. You know, I, I, that's. I kind of take yeah. it tentatively, but yeah, you're you're right. It's like hard to hard to broach with a semblance of sanity because people are fed so much crazy shit in the media. Definitely, like I I have had to unfollow some people that I thought were cool and just be like, okay, uh, you're on the side of the oppressor, cool. And that is crazy too. I think one aspect that just sort of occurred to me while you were talking about the first-hand accounts of, you know, people being bombed in shelters and things like that is, like, it's just the sheer racial aspect of it in that this is the Blitz. Like, if you take away all the context or whatever, these are the brave British people, like, you know, resisting by being holed up and bombed relentlessly by the Germans. And yeah. people can't identify with them at all because they're brown Palestinians. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a Muslim group involved and they want to they want to dictate the terms of their survival and their resistance in a way that's just like, what else are you supposed to do? And I've been thinking about it because some of the media I've been watching lately has been dealing with like trying to show resistance movements in a way that you can get away with on TV or in a book. And so, and the, they can't do it. You know, they always have to moralize and they always have to be like, this is just murder. And I'm like, you have to do, like, I don't know what you can't, you run out of options at some point. 
Like, you can't ask for freedom when you've been bashed in for the past, like, hundred years. Like, they're not going to turn around and be like, you know what, you're right now. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe it's, you know, it's, it's a question of time and it's, it's a question of um, tactics for some people. People get really hung up, you know, when they say, well... But the initial I'll attack. I'll be just as bad as them. <laughs> yeah, the initial attack. This was on October seventh. You know, it was yeah October seventh. This this was just on just people. I mean, these were just civilians. You know, mm-hmm. a this paper's over. The attacks on literally all of the Israeli military IDF uh, outposts. Like they they attacked mm-hmm. all of the military bases. So it was a not a just civilian attack. B it does also seem like the thrust was military and breaking through the, the wall. And, and then there were like affiliated or unaffiliated groups. The busted through and were like, we're fucking pissed at these settlers. We're going to take it out on them. I mean, can you fucking blame them is the thing. Like these people have been treated as subhuman for however long, like just again, no access to anything that can help them build a life yeah. like just completely cut off in that way i think you can say what they did on an individual level you can moralize and say would i have done that or would i have not done that sort of thing you know but i think that whenever you look at on the balance what they did the root cause and we're trying to say this not as like people who believe that the ideations in our head shape the world, but that the world shapes the people that we are is that the that blood, they were not going to do this. They weren't just born innately to do this. If Palestine had been in their hands as the sovereign people, there, continuing on from antiquity to now. The only reason that happened was because some people came in disenfranchised and kicked them out, stole their land and said, you're going to have to live in this ghetto for the rest of your life. I mean, that's that's the root cause of why people did what yeah. they did. So, yeah, you can say, like, oh, yeah, you know, on an individual level, I would have turned the other cheek or whatever. And that's a moral position. That's fine. But if you want to look at, like, who's to blame for what happened mechanistically, who drove the forces of history that got us to that point, that's what, you know, that's what Marxists are trying to do. Yeah, yeah, like systemically the issue is like hey there's a fucking settler colonial state that's torturing people like yeah they're gonna fight back and we should support them and how are the fuck they fight back like oh it just it boggles my mind it's so so one thing i think that the that the 60s the seven, 60s and 70s and and the the hippie movement at that time the mm-hmm. anti-war movement and everything they had right was that they went out there with Viet Cong flags they went out there with NLF, National Liberation Front flags, you know, and the Americans call them Viet Cong flags or whatever. And we've covered that in the episode. It's not really the terminology, but whatever <laughs> is they went out there and with the flag of the enemy. And they said, we're going to give them critical support. You know, what, you know, do I want them, you know, grenading people in the various ways that that happens or setting the particular traps that they set or whatever? I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't do that as a as an individual in my circumstance. That's coming from somebody going to Berkeley or that's coming from somebody working here in the U.S. or whatever is like. Like you can't know what you would do if generations of your family were displaced and killed. And, you know, what is it? They they send if if members of your family have been displaced, killed, interrogated, run out of their homes, you know, you're 
hundreds of years old olive trees burned to the ground. Like, what the fuck? Like, you don't know what you would do is the thing. Like, you don't know. I mean, even talking about hippies, that's that's interesting you say that because culturally what we're talking about, what we're told about hippies is that, like, they were kind of naive and just like, no war. And, like, that's... <laughs> like, that's treated as, as childish and, and unrealistic when it's like, no, they were kind of like... Not all of them. I'm, I'm not speaking for the entire movement or whatever. Like, I'm sure there's sure. lots of different stripes, but... There are people literally saying, let's not do any war. Their side, our side. You know? Mm-hmm. Sure. But there were lots of them who were like, no, we, we like, we got into, we got involved in a civil war and we we're on the wrong side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there's a correct <laughs> side. They're fighting and they're fighting brutally because they're in a war and we should support them. Well, you shouldn't, you know, we don't have to agree with every little thing that they're doing, but... Like Che Guevara said, we have a certain role as people who are living in the belly of the beast. Yes. You know, is that we can't, like, we, we, we're not able, we should not weigh in on the tactics of people fighting for their liberation uh, in various colonized places. That's, that's not us. That's what, what are we doing? Like, we're assholes on ESPN uh, evaluating, you know, saying, oh, mm-hmm. this quarterback should have thrown to this guy instead of this guy. Uh, mm-hmm. If we're doing that, like, that's not our place. Uh, what we should be doing is undermining to the extent that we can uh, the and, and 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 that's not just like you know throwing your bodies in the gears and, and and chaining yourself to military installation stuff that plays a role but I mean like questioning people's like and morally questioning people's like what are we doing here we're bombing children we're bombing old people we're bombing non-combatants of various sorts and we're saying you know it was just too hard to separate them from the enemy so we bombed them and that, you know, again, that's not like literally us, but the blood is still on our hands because those are the people we give the guns to. They're the people that we have a very, like, like an incestuously close uh, military and intelligence alliance with. Uh, they're the people, the only other country besides Ukraine who abstained, that uh, voted to keep the Cuban inhumane embargo going uh, on Cuba just because, you know, they shot down a bunch of... Uh, a bunch of dispossessed slave owners that we sent back there to try to regain their country. I mean, like, you know, mm-hmm. the blood is on our hands in that way. And that's what we think we have to have responsibility for, I think. And it's on our hands in a way we can't control in a lot of ways. Like, like there's been a lot of posts going around about like, you know, this is how much the state spends on, on funding Israeli weapons. This is how much the state spends, how much your tax dollars spend. I think the average mm-hmm. came out to something like, 70 to 90 dollars per person yeah like, we talked about it texas was buying fucking bonds to fund yeah yeah and it's really interesting like just talking to just a regular person like they'll they'll be so befuddled as to why we're so pro-israel like oh i wonder why that is is it just like a religion thing or like are we just friends yeah. and i'm like it's money guys like it's always funny like i can point to the bad guy like pretty easily it's money and racism guess what (laughs) yeah and i honestly would argue more for the latter so for me the big tying point to this is it's just it's mini america like it's a little it's a little small version of us trying to exterminate its native population that it took the land from and it's just doing it in, uh, you know, unfortunately for them, they're doing it in a, in a world that has like cameras 24 seven and has a global media that can actually spread this to people who can weigh in on it and can somewhat take democratic actions to, I mean, cause like what we were exterminating 
uh, the indigenous people here in the U.S. back in a time when most places didn't have much democracy to weigh in on. So most people, to the extent that they could even get the news that this was happening, really didn't have a much mechanism to influence their government. And that, that's a big change, I think, now is the Palestinian people don't have to be wiped out. Like, they, by the forces of history, have many more avenues to them to not be completely exterminated. Like, that, 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 it's a greater chance. And this is also not to say that Native American people were complete. I mean, they, they were decimated to the extent that they're not, like, politically still such a viable force. I mean, there are still resistant movement, resistance movements and stuff out there in terms of indigenous peoples here. I don't want to completely minimize that. I just think that it's way smaller in scale compared to, yeah, like it's considered, I think by the U S government to be a defeated force. Maybe not completely. I mean, that is partially probably some of the reason that they're like, we want to back Israel to the hilt to make sure we don't have any, the fucking funny ideas here, you know, that's, that's, I think the bigger, there is, you know, obviously the money connection and, and, and military industrial complex and everything, but the bigger uh, idea to me is not just, I think indigenous Americans, but like the land stolen from Mexico, uh, all this, uh, just that's, that's what we've done. That's our story. <laughs> and you don't want to be saying that was bad. Because we built up such a myth. And I think most Americans are really bought into that in some level or another. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a factor. I, I don't know. I, I think about how much power, though, you know, the military industrial complex has and, you know, how much money they're making off of those contracts. I I think that's a big one, too. Um, I started following this org called... Uh, Palestinian Action U.S., and they are getting the goods. They're doing some DA. They're doing some direct action. They are uh, doing things like blocking boats that are shipping weapons. Uh, they had a, a blocking in Tacoma, Washington. They posted areas where uh, it's called Elbit Systems of America, uh, and they are... Fuck Elbit Systems of America, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Fuck definitely fuck guys. them. Yeah. Uh, let's see. They are, yeah, give me a Google on what they do. I'm sure they just, they make weapons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. International defense electronics company. Okay. They're yeah. Israel based also. Okay, great. Uh, so they posted these locations. There's one in Fort Worth actually pretty close and they are calling on people to sign up to go like protest there and to like try to get them shut down basically. Yeah, I mean, maybe they do some good things, but it's in between uh, developing things in the areas of aerospace, land and naval systems, command, control, communications, computers, intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance, unmanned aircraft systems, advanced electro-optics, electro-optic space systems, electronic warfare suites, signal intelligence systems, data links, communication systems and radios, Upgrading existing military platforms, developing new technology for defense, homeland security, and commercial aviation applications, and providing a range of support services. So generally bad. Generally bad. <laughs> so yeah, on October twelfth, there uh, this group went to uh, an Elbit Systems factory in Cambridge, and they blocked the main entrance so their employees couldn't enter, drenched the building with red paint and graffiti, 
uh, and we're just calling out their shit, basically, um, calling them, you know, basically war criminals. Uh, it looks like they supply 85% of Israel's military drone fleet. So, yeah, they suck. For sure. They have a flight testing facility in West Wales. Oh, I've got the map. You want the map? Yeah, we should post that. Names and addresses, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Basically, if you live uh, east of the Mississippi, you probably got one of these within a, a couple hours driving distance, so... Yeah. Uh, give him give him a Google and it's 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 fucking horrifying how close this really is, because I think there is a degree of separation in watching things like, oh, that's so far away and I don't have anything to do with it. And it's like your your house is where it's coming from. And I mean, hell, just get out there. I saw here in a DFW suburb to a couple, maybe a couple of student high school students. I don't know. Just a couple of young people out there with a. Uh, support Palestine cardboard sign out on the side Hell of the yeah. road. And I was just like, I tried to honk, but I got a new, have a new car, and I like, I'm used to honking just with my thumb right there by where you hold mm. it, you know. But that's mm-hmm. nowadays in cars is uh, control panel stuff. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> now do a little honk a support thing. So hopefully they heard it. But <laughs> oh, good, yeah, because you live in a pretty conservative area. <laughs> yeah, like, hell yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There are demonstrations in Dallas this weekend. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you can go to those things and and keep yourself safe, do that. Yeah, um, do whatever you can. There there are orgs out there, you know, who are giving aid to Palestinians. So try to find those and you know read the descriptions carefully. <laughs> To make sure they are supporting the correct people, but yeah, go for it for sure. Back so, to tie back to what I was saying about the '60s and the and the hippies. One of the big chants back then was "Hey, hey, LBJ, how many kids did you kill today?" So you're saying this weekend, you know, there's all these protests and everything across the country uh, about you know uh, the U.S.'s backing of Israel and you know. The protests were demanding that uh, they support instead of ceasefire, right? Uh, and one of the chants that I saw people were doing there was, Biden, Biden, you can't hide. We charge you with genocide. Whoa, that's good. Fucking <laughs> great. Wow. In that, in that same tradition. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, get them. Yeah, there was a big one in uh, D.C., right? There was a huge, yeah. a huge march. Uh, one of my uh, kind of author, I don't know, we're, I think we're mutuals. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there's a great children's author. She's Palestinian. And she she wrote, wrote about, uh, she wrote a children's book about the occupation. Her name is Hannah Mushabek, and her book is Homeland, My Father Dreams of Palestine. And yeah, check it out. She's a really cool person and has been like absolutely on the front lines of this in a way that is very scary for a lot of authors, I think, yeah. uh, because you don't want to burn any of those bridges, but she is, you know, unapologetically out there. And I think she's doing really great work. Um, she shares lots of great resources too, just for like books you can read about this and other people you can follow and things like that. So, um, definitely give her a look and, you know, if you've got a kid in your life that needs to understand a little bit more about, uh, about Gaza and everything, maybe pick up her book. It's it's also just more fundamental than that. I mean, I think there's a reason why it didn't take any anti-imperialist teachings. For you to understand that when the ATST was closing in on the the uh, rebels who had just like 
captured that little old generator station on on uh, the mm, Endor on Hoff. Endor. Oh, Endor! Yeah, right? yeah. The ATST closes in or whatever. <laughs> it's it's about to blast them, and then the logs fly in from either side and mm-hmm. smash it, and obviously kill some fucking <laughs> Imperial pilot guy. Listen, I bet you. Give me thirty minutes, and I can find a Tumblr post outlining the war crimes of Luke Skywalker. <laughs> no, <laughs> Cancelled. The, yeah, the Ewoks like are unabashedly brutal in what they, they murder do. a lot of people. They beat they beat these stormtroopers to death with sticks and stones, literally. <laughs> I mean, there is probably a janitor on that Death Star. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but you know, there, there's but there's no weird morality. No, we're mm-hmm. liberal, like, weighing of the things. Like, you understand who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. And you also paper over the admitted horrors of war that, like, no human wants visited upon them with the morality of, yeah, but this, you know, these guys, they fucking earned it by yeah. showing up and trying to kick somebody out of their land. And humans know that, like. Well, okay, another kind of more anarchist take is human, you know, anarchists will be like, well, you don't really need like a state and everything like this because what happens mm-hmm. when somebody fucks with somebody else? You the community is going to show up and be like, hey, <laughs> that's not going to keep happening. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I I mean, we joked about that stat at the beginning of uh, are people generally good or, you know, can you trust them? I think on some level, like we, Kropotkin, you know, like if, a disaster happens, people will step up. Like there's that fucking story. I don't know if it's even real, but that anecdote on the Titanic of the guy who uh, pulled a gun on like all the dudes who were rushing the boat so they could let the women Mm. and children go first. Yeah. Like people have an innate sense of like, Hey, if shit's going bad, we need to take care of each other. Yeah. That's how we got to where we are. Like, (laughs) and I'm not an Evo psych guy, but still evolutionarily, like just any creature gets to where, to where it is by cooperating that much. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so fundamental. Like, <laughs> I think I've talked about this on the show before, but I watched that survival show alone. The Naked and, and Afraid? Or, oh, this is a different It's one. not Naked and Afraid, okay. but it's, they have items. They have 10 items and like some clothes. But yeah, that's the one where they, they are dropped off and they have to film themselves and they are totally alone and they don't know who else has dropped out. It's 10 people. And I was telling Kyle was like one thing that bugs me about the show is you know all these dudes mostly dudes there's there's <laughs> more women now but <laughs> mostly dudes of a certain persuasion but prepper a lot of guys. them will say things prepper guys are like really crunchy hippies or um <laughs> you know just you, just various future unibombers <laughs> I mean maybe yeah some <laughs> of them uh you know a lot of hicks a lot of uh, ex-military guys those always do really badly they think they're gonna do super well and they fucking beef it within a few days <laughs> because they're too fucking calorie dependent i mean they're big ass dudes you know a lot of times it's that or with military guys their their goals are short survival short-term survival and you have all this gear and this is like no you're gonna be out here for like 50 plus days if you're gonna win yeah anyway but one thing that a lot of these guys end up saying is this is how humans have lived for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, they weren't alone. Nobody did that. That would be terrible. And like, you see it so many times, take them out of like, damn, if I could just rest today, I would be okay. Or, you know, if I had help with this, this would be so much easier. Like they, 
like it's and you know psychologically you see people fucking fall apart on that show sometimes yeah like we were not meant to do that yeah and that's just called society and not civilization (laughs) in the sense of like neolithic like agriculture it's not not Mm -hmm. class society just society it's one of the interesting things i've been trying to pick back up uh the dawn of everything david graber's book oh Um, i want to read that he's just a brilliant mind he's more anarchist than i like but like i dig it because he's so smart but uh he kind of argues that yeah a lot of these you know what we (laughs) the primitive societies and stuff that we say well there was no Mm -hmm. social hierarchy and uh they you know uh well for one people do a common myth of like oh it was a barter society he's like no basically people just shared at that point they just (laughs) they were like if I know you, if you're in the society, then like, yeah, here you go. You're cool. Pay me back later, you know? And it was, Cause, a, yeah, I know you're going to, it's like a friend thing, yeah. you know, like, don't worry about it. I know you'll cover me later and it's not a big deal. Yeah. That was the basis of society sort of thing. And so like you said, it's, it's never, someone's just struck out on their own. Just that's how people were living. <laughs> oh, no, like everyone had a huge band of support. Yeah. Like that would just never happen. Like, that that would be like, oh, that's a crazy person. Like, that's literally what we call, like, oh, a crazy old man lives in the woods. Like, he's a hermit. Like, that's weird to do. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is that, like, the notion of hunter-gatherer bands that, like, were so dispersed or whatever is actually, you know, that's part of it. But it's, there, there's a time period where they actually do periodically settle in pretty big settlements, like, to where we would say, okay, well they definitely had a government and That's they definitely like did stuff and like had to rule people, but they, but they did not. They were anarchists essentially, wow. even within a densely populated, you know, by those standards society, okay. you know, it, early humans, they took a long ass time. So like we could say this is anarchism is how humans have lived for thousands of years. Is that what David Graeber's saying? I mean, it could be. And I would still maintain, you know, my, it's probably saying I haven't, Gotten that far, but has he gotten to the thesis? Uh, no, I haven't gotten that far. To, but I would say, I my argument for the continued Marxist Leninism Maoism sort of side is like, mm. in the fallen world, we need a weapon to shatter the people who have, <laughs> have, have, have put themselves in in the in the uh, high priest Go position. Back to Bunga times, yeah. In, in those times, we probably could have kept <laughs> with that and go. And but then there was the fall of man into into uh you know whatever else so once we've fallen we have to we have to fight back with something else but i mean can we talk about bernie for a second if we <laughs> if we have to my man he's not my man anymore someone go get this man <laughs> uh, he's done so many things from so long ago that i don't know if i'm ready to throw out the whole man i think i'm ready to throw out the whole man yeah. So what? Are, what's the actual details? I don't understand what it. What, what did you say? Because I've only heard that he's been an asshole about this. You know, that's a great question. Let's do some research <laughs> on the fly. I just heard Bernie's a bitch ass mug now. That's you know? what I heard too. People were. So what I the only thing I had actually seen was people went to his office to protest that he hadn't called for a ceasefire, and they were dragged away by the police. So, yeah. That's not good. Mm-mm. Okay, so as of October 17th, uh, okay, he's talking about the slaughter of a thousand Israelis by Hamas and a terrorist attack, but he also talks about the bombing of a Palestinian hospital and displacement of a million people, unspeakable crimes must stop now. 
Bombs and missiles from both sides must end. Massive humanitarian aid must be rushed to Gaza, and the hostages must be returned to their families. A day ago, though, here's here's the top headlines from a day ago. Bernie Sanders says Senate should use aid package to force Israel to change. Okay, why are we still giving them an aid pack is what I'd ask, but I'm sure I'm fucking okay. Uh, Bernie suggests Israel should change its strategy if it wants more funding. Okay, he's really just trying to carrot stick this thing, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bernie calls for end to Israeli strikes and killings of thousands. Okay. Here's an arc from Al-, Al Jazeera, which is a great source usually. Yeah. Let's see. So they're reporting on it as of October 30th. All right, so they start out by saying, like, he used to talk shit about Israel quite a bit. I mean, not quite a bit, but, you know, more than he has now. Like, he's, he's criticized Netanyahu and... Uh, you know, calling out other people for for their shit. Uh, let's see. Activists held so last week. Activists held a protest uh, at his office, calling on him to back a ceasefire. Yeah, here's some, another thing he said. Um, well, I don't know how you could have a ceasefire, permanent ceasefire, with an organization like Hamas, which is dedicated mm. to turmoil and chaos and destroying the state of Israel. Okay. Okay. I think what the Arab countries in the region understand is that Hamas has got to go. Okay, so that's fucked up. So that prompted, <laughs> that apparently <laughs> prompted APAC to, like, share clips of what he was saying. Uh, the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee, mm. uh, they were, like, you know, Hell yeah, I love sharing this guy. <laughs> clips of that on on Twitter and thanking him for clearly defending mm. Israel and everything. Everyone was like, fuck you. He came out and said, APAC has supported dozens of GOP extremists who are undermining our democracy. They are now working hard to defeat, blah, blah, blah. I hate APAC, basically, he said. Mm, okay, okay. He's like, that's not me. Yeah, but well, they I agreed mean, what with what it, he said. Yeah, like, that's not a good look, homie. Yeah, more than 50 were arrested uh, for protesting the war in Senate offices. Yeah, that 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 sucks. You know? Yeah, they were they were at but the offices of Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Like you're and, a senator, are you going to get arrested? Go out there and tell them to stop arresting him. Right? Like you could just be like, "It's cool, guys." Like, hear him out. Like it shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. <sighs> so yeah, um, fuck that shit. And it's, you know, when we we're even like kind of sharing the more nuanced kind of positions that he's saying later after the dust has settled, perhaps. I don't know. The way this all breaks down, you can kind of come at it at, you know, on a spectrum, there's kind of three broad categories. So the first is kind of the stupid, naive (laughs) sort of vision of it, the pro-Israel. Well, I'm not even really getting into the bloodthirsty types. I'm getting into, you know, Mm -hmm. the the normal people. The normies who are like, they have a right to defend themselves. Like that, that's, that's the line. Right. Uh, Israel is, you know, well, they were brutally attacked and everything. And so they are doing their, you know, they're striking back because they got to strike back at their enemies, but they're, they're doing their best to minimize civilian casualties. I think that's the, the most charitable without getting mm-hmm. insane view you can have of what's happening in terms of pro-Israel stance. Mm-hmm. Then I think you get to the more middle of the road, more taking in the facts analysis of it. And they say, okay, well, you know, Israel was attacked and everything. They're going after Hamas 
because that's who they're targeting for doing this. Uh, and but, but but while they're saying, yeah, we don't want to hurt any civilians or whatever, there's no evidence that they care about that. Like it, it just seems like they're just attacking Hamas and civilian casualties be damned. I think there's a lot of people who, like we have talked about, uh, are, are justifying it by saying, well, you know, civilians are hiding Hamas and, you know, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I, th- I think that's the, like, um, that's more and more liberals, I think, are being won over to at least that position of it doesn't look like Israel's caring at least enough about it, you know, and then the more extreme position is it doesn't look like they care at all about mm-hmm civilian destruction and then i think there is probably the even more realistic but even more horrifying position that not only do they not care about minimizing human casualties i think they want it yeah i mean there are quotes calling them like inhuman what was it they're they're uh animals of some sort or yeah like netanyahu basically called them animals like This is an extermination project at this point. That's the the least charitable interpretation. Mm-hmm. And I think the one that makes the most sense given their behavior is not only do they not care about minimizing civilian casualties, but civilian casualties are the point. They're going to sweep in here and they're going to do more settlements. They want to kill as many Gazans, as many Palestinians as possible to take this land back. Lebensraum is what they're doing. Yeah, I I really think that's the case. I think there's so much racism and Islamophobia involved. I think there's so much colonialism in in this project. Like you can't separate that. No, and that's just. I think that's the goal. I, I you know I, I think honestly, if you're talking to people in your life or whatever, that's probably going too far. They're probably not there yeah. yet or anything. But just getting to that middle point of being like an ally in that sense of like, we got to rein in Israel, right? Like they're doing too much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you have this, you know, you have the secret Gnostic knowledge of what they're really doing, but. Uh, <laughs> if you can just get admit like, hey, that's pretty fucked up, right? Yeah. <laughs> maybe like if a country or, you know, people are being tortured, they have a right to defend themselves too. Whoa. And, and again, <laughs> we, we can keep drawing the parallels because it's all over history. It's anytime you have, you know, a, massive power destroying a massively weaker Mm -hmm. one you know in this unjust war of conquest i mean you're going to end up with these parallels and and you know the the people who were out there with the nlf flags and everything and the Viet Cong flags you know what have you and saying like yeah they're right a tiny minority of americans but still that perspective of you know Oh, we're purposely wiping out people and everything, and and the, and this is a campaign of evil. Was allied in many ways with the moral center of the country that was like, this is this is bad. We're killing too many innocent people, and people are dying in gruesome ways, and we don't like it. Like they're not on board with the, you know, America's the evil empire sort of situation, but they, they still see themselves as the good guys. They just don't want to be doing bad things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's fine. Take that ally where you can. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We can all agree like, Hey, killing children and just genocide in general, not a good look. It's part of the weird role of being again in the belly of the beast is you're not going to convince people like that. They're the bad guys immediately. (laughs) Precious. Nope. 
but your your goal is let's try to get them to work against the goals of this bad guy that we're all in and hopefully we can weaken it over time yeah, i wish we could target catholics because i mean we're guilty as fuck so <laughs> <laughs> you'd think it'd be pretty easy to be like you're inherently evil no <laughs> i doubt that would work given the power structures and all <laughs> not a lot of communist catholic orgs out there if you know of one let me know that's pretty funny <laughs> Our, our lady of the revolution. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Do you think that wraps up our, our usual hand wringing over the current state? <laughs> uh, yeah, generally. <laughs> I mean, do what you can. Keep up with it. And you were saying you were going to put some links to some stuff. Yeah, I will share out some of the accounts that I talked about today. Uh, and... I'll do a little digging on good org aids. I, I've been bookmarking stuff, but I haven't actually put them together and done anything. So I will make that a little homework assignment for myself. I'll defo be on the Patreon, all those links organized. I'll, I'll probably throw them in the show notes as well. All right. And as always, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. I understand that that's obviously going through lots of criticism out there. I just want to say it again for those of you in the back, because... It's good. Like, you should say this. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you are able to hide behind relative anonymity, at least. Because people yeah. are really getting in trouble for that, apparently. Oh, for sure. You um, can you can get fired for that shit. Um, <laughs> and I'm so. like, why? This is like, just whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Come at me, bro. Yeah. Uh, if you do that, I'm just going to put you on blast and everyone's going to hate you. So, like, eat shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I did see a funny tweet that was like, what the fuck did y'all think from sea to shining sea meant? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Assholes. except for we didn't originally except for live yours here. was, yeah, yours is like, let's murder everyone from sea to shining sea. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, uh, what else we got? Uh, we have a little bit of labor corner action if you want. Mm, I love that. You know, actually we got an email from a listener. I, I need to email them back and let them know. They they missed the organizing corner we used to do. And I was like, you know, so that that was back in the day we did like organizing tips. And we were like, we don't fucking know anything about organizing. So we stopped that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. now we do labor corner, which is we give updates on people who do know what the fuck they're doing. And I like that better. I like it better, too. I think it may be lazier in a way, but it, <laughs> it's easier. Uh, I mean, we're what if we're learning by observing, eh? True. And... You know, there's also something to be said for the lazies. We all want to be able to be lazy at some point in our lives, you know? That's true. I'm working for a lazy future. <laughs> I want a t-shirt that says, I'd rather be playing Baldur's Gate right now. <laughs> uh, all right. So what's happening in the world of labor uh, in Portland? The teachers are on strike. Oh, I saw this. Yeah, I got a couple of buds in Portland and I saw that on their feeds and I was excited. It's dragging on into its second week. Nice. A few signs of progress. Not nice, but, you know, gotta gotta let them hurt a little. They started November 1st, and there was a big standoff between Portland Public Schools, like, administrators and stuff, superintendent and their lot, versus the teachers, and there, uh, this article paints, like, a lot of the back and forth. This is from, it's from Oregon Public Broadcasting, uh, and they're talking about the different, basically the different numbers. Like each side is like, nah, like, you, you know, the teacher's like, you could just cut some from 
administration and shit. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do as much of that. The administration's like, no, like, you don't understand. It's more Of course expensive. not. Like, that's, you know, we, uh, we'd like to cut a lot. They have to pay for their useless master's degrees somehow. Right. Uh, <laughs> what was it, part of it that said, in their letter to school board members, legislatures claimed that Portland Public Schools is spending less in the classroom and more on administration than other districts. Uh, the superintendent in Guadalupe Guerrero defended the district spending, saying administrative ranks include instructional support coaches and other folks who are in schools every day. It does include those, but what else does it include? A bunch of useless asses who don't do anything. Vice presidents of athletics and mm-hmm. various guys the like that. The fucking assistant superintendent, and there's like seven of those, and they fucking walk around and do jack shit all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and even the instructional coaches, I mean, teachers will, I feel like, generally agree. An instructional coach is an easier job than a teacher. Like, you help the teachers, you maybe pull out kids or whatever, and you give them pointers. Like, oh, you should do this, you should do that. Like, you're not in, the cl- you're not captain of a ship uh, for, <laughs> you know, the eight hours. But anyway... He also said, you know, maybe we spend a little more, this is the superintendent, maybe we spend a little more centrally supporting school districts directly, but I think we're one of the districts who also demonstrated a counter-narrative to how students are doing across the state. Blah, blah, blah. Basically saying, like, we're doing okay testing-wise, even though we are maybe spending more on our admin than on our school running and stuff. He said he'd invite a dialogue on Mm. how school systems spend their money, blah, blah, blah. But, uh... Teachers don't seem to be having it. I mean, they're they're sticking to it. It said it's fru- it's frustrating that school district is trying to blame lawmakers for lack of funding. Teachers want to teach, but our students aren't getting what they need right now. Said uh, what P A T? Maybe that's like the like a P T A but reversed. P A T. I don't know. So generally, yeah, I mean, teachers are literally out on picket lines uh, out there in Portland. So superintendent was ultimately in that press conference reduced to saying uh, the students deserve to be in class at the same time our teachers deserve fair employment terms but our community also deserves sustainable contract that balances all the students many needs saying the portland's teacher strike could be a sign of things to come when it comes to labor unions and organ education i hate to foreshadow eerily here you're going to see an increasing number of situations like ours happening up and down the state unfortunately Oh, if he had left, unfortunately, out. It's kind of based. Yeah, like, <laughs> I feel like we agree up to that point <laughs> of unfortunately. Yeah, if he had just, like, left the unfortunately out, I'd think he'd be, like, a plant. Like, he's like, <laughs> maybe. I don't like, he, I mean, he's fucking, like, starting teachers. Yeah, like, I'm not trying to say that this will, like, easily shake a bunch of money out of us. But it maybe should be a model for teachers unions all around, you know. <laughs> Seems like uh, it's popping off. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, here's hoping that Comrade Guerrero is really working for us here on accident. And it's just playing a role, you know. Uh, Portland, oh, okay, that's what, PAT. Portland Association of Teachers. It's like a reverse There PTA. we go. We figured yeah. it out. That was, that was in, like, the subheading even, but I didn't read that. <laughs> The teachers union. Anyway, good luck to them. Support them. Uh, I need to make notes of all the links I need to look up. Hold on. Yeah, if you're up in Portland, <laughs> go, you know, see if they want pizza or 
yeah, bring him, uh, it's probably kind of cold there. So maybe some hand warmers or something and, you know, some, some coffee, some science supplies, not from Starbucks. What was that? Cause we watched that. We read the how to oh, yeah, thing, yeah. you know, some signs. That supplies. was cool. Cause your signs might break. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll try to find if they have a strike fun and if they do, I'll leave this in and I will post it. If they don't, I will cut this out. I also think some tunes, like if you play an instrument and can like go walk around <laughs> with them and play it. And Ooh, like, if, if you know some good labor songs, good, good chanting, any other labor stuff happening? Labor stuff. Uh, the actors union is apparently getting their last best and final offer. The studio is giving them an offer that they're supposed to be mulling over soon. The negotiating committee for SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, SAG-AFTRA, that whole thing, you know. It's interesting. So they haven't disclosed what the details are. Apparently it addresses many of the sticking points that were there, including like AI stuff and whatever. Last week, lots of SAG-AFTRA members sign an open letter saying that they would rather strike than take a bad deal. Damn. So I guess better be a good yeah, deal. The hopes are this is a good deal. Because <laughs> uh, basically the negotiations are going to end for the year. If this is rejected. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Cause we're all to that point where it's like, Oh, the holidays ish are coming ish. And so <laughs> I'd love to just not. <laughs> um, so if, if that happens, the studios are kind of out a bunch and, yeah, so are the actors because they're not going to yeah, be working. Yeah. So they're they're hopefully they end up having made their point seriously enough to where this is actually a good deal. But it's kind of tense on that front. I think another labor issue is in Las Vegas. Oh, is that the uh, hospitality folks? Yeah. Hell yeah! What are they up to? Tens of thousands of Las Vegas hospitality workers may walk off the job this Friday. If their union is unable to reach a contract deal with the casinos, hotels, and restaurants that employ them. This would be the largest hospitality worker strike in U.S. history. And uh, it comes as just as uh, the Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix is scheduled to take place later this month. Okay, yeah. 35,000 of the Culinary and Bartenders Union, 35,000 of their members at 18 properties would go on strike. The morning of November 10th, if no deal was reached. They're trying to reach a deal with MGM Resorts, Caesar Entertainment, and Wynn Resorts. What are they asking for? Well, it's contract negotiations. So uh, they're working under an expired contract since September 15th. They've been negotiating with them for seven months. Workers des- uh, believe they deserve more than what the companies are offering. Yeah, I'm sure they do. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, they deserve all of it, but you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, typical better pay, working conditions, protections, that sort of thing. Uh, this is hella leverage holding the F1 race on them. Sure is. Sure is. Those are fucking huge. A lot of rich fucks go to that. So, <laughs> yeah. If that pops off, be sure to check out their strike fund. And if you live in the area, go support them. I get really excited when I see strikes in the hospitality area just because I, I know... I know a lot of people with those kinds of jobs. It's so rough and it is, it is so hit or miss whether or not you'll be able to eke out a living and it, it hurts your body. So yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a, it's a very physical task. And emotional too. You know, you're, you're pleasing people all day. Yeah. That's just not something that is sustainable long-term and especially not for the, the pittance that's tossed their way in American society. And like, I think what's, 
frustrating is like some people do all right. Like especially bartenders can make a a pretty decent living depending on where you work and that kind of stuff, obviously. Um, So you end up having some people who defend that system because they're like, well, I do fine and I don't want it to get taken away. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the tip system is is a great example. A lot of people in the service industry are against changing that because they're like, that's how I make my money. Um, But it's like that works for you, but it doesn't work for everybody, you know? Yeah, that's the domestic part of what we call the labor aristocracy of clearly working class people who are nevertheless doing fairly well for themselves within that system, you know, domestically. Uh, internationally, we are all Ooh, part yeah. of the labor aristocracy in, in Western imperialist countries. But within our country, there's, you know, an aristocracy of those people who are doing well in the tip system or people who have a quote unquote wage job but are pulling in six figures versus like a, you know, someone working as a part-time cashier at Seven Eleven or something. So it's just degrees. I don't know. I always find that interesting that there's like two tiers of aristocracy and we're, we're secretly all in one of them because <laughs> of Definitely. You know, lithium mine workers in the third world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, it, it is, it's weird to find in almost any industry, you'll find people who, who defend the status quo just because it has conveniently worked out for them. And it's just really a lack of empathy. Yeah. That's hard to look past that or, you know, and it's discounting of like, how did I get here? Oh, it was my hard work sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's fear-based too, for sure. There's a certain air, air of protectiveness around that. Well, here's something fear-based that I hope that the capitalists take to their little trembling, <laughs> tiny, atrophied hearts. Okay. The words of our good buddy, friend of the show, Sean Fain, the UAW president. Oh, yeah, Sean Fain, not to be confused with Sinn Fein. I thought you were yeah. just mispronouncing it. I was <laughs> no, like, what no, does no. Sinn Fein do? <laughs> Sinn Fein, also a friend of the show. You're welcome on anytime. Oh, for sure. I would geek out. Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah, we share your solidarity with Palestine view. Yeah, uh, yeah. And please just just bring a more pleasant accent to the show than what I've got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for real, neither of us have, you know, a You have a good thing. voice. People talk about it. I've got a calming voice, but no yes. one ever says the guy's got the best accent I've ever heard. No, no, that's no true. one's saying that. If you think that, feel free to write in. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> you can continue insulting my, you know, horrible grating cackle. They're so shrill or something. Someone <laughs> said something worse. like that. I was like, what? <laughs> uh, I don't fucking care. Anyway, what did Sean Fain do? The United Auto Workers, they recently basically reached a tentative deal in their huge strike, right? So they've got to ratify that, but people are pretty, they're like, yeah, that's probably going to get ratified. So they're back on the job all across the board. GM, Ford, Stellantis, they're working. However, UAW President Sean Fain said that the union picked its April 30th, 2028 expiration date for these tentative contracts for a specific reason. Can you, co-host of a communist podcast... Say what you think that specific reason might be for the April 30th, 2028 expiration date. 2028. Is that the 110th revolution or anniversary or something? Uh, I'm trying to like do the math no. there. Don't worry about uh, the year. April okay. 30th. April 30th. Uh, 4.30. So we've recovered from 4.20. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know dates. What's the next day? 
Oh, Mayday. Mayday. Oh, shit. <laughs> With these stand-up contracts and the expectation that there could be a coordinated strike starting on May 1st, not just by UAW members, but also members of other unions. Fuck, we got a countdown clock. Sean Fain said, we invite other unions ar- around the country to align your contract expirations with our own so that together we, we can begin to flex our collective muscles holy shit is syndicalism going to pop off and he's he's five basically years? yeah he's the next daniel de leon it says if we're going to truly take on the billionaire class and rebuild the economy so it starts to work for the benefit of the many holy it's important crap. not only that we strike but that we strike together that's fucking sick like pretty nice especially i think given the context the French, French listeners, you guys are over there saying, well, why can't you just uh, strike all together? You know, it's illegal. Like <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have laws like the, Har- the Taft-Hartley Act, which ban sympathy strikes. Says if your union doesn't like that, you know, the Actors Guild is, is getting the raw end or the UAW, you can't just go on strike because you like them. Like, it, that they're literally, they ban that. They Insane. do court injunctions and everything else. This is like a workaround for that. So he's basically saying, wow, okay, that's sure. That's so smart. But if we put all our contracts at the same date, mm. then we're not sympathy striking. We're just like helping each other by <laughs> happening to have the same oh my gosh. negotiating deadlines and stuff. That's so fucking sick. Okay, Portland teachers do this. Actors do this. Like everybody get your contracts in and, and expire them at this date. That's fucking great. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I love it. I love it as a as a tactic. I love it as it's a big dick move to just go out there and say, "Hey, <laughs> what do we do a general strike?" Like, I mean, can you yeah. all aim for that, please? Like, try to do this. But like, still giving us some time to prep. Thank yeah. you. Uh, that's so cool. I love that so much. Twenty twenty eight. He clearly. I don't even know how old the guy is, but he at least has like millennial or younger people in his life, to where he's like, okay, these. These these bitches can't handle anything too soon. Like they're procrastinating, so <laughs> put out twenty twenty eight. They can get together by then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. I love that new tactic. I hope it. I hope people do kind of jump on that because because we need something. I mean, yeah, shit. And I love the imagery of the of May first and everything. I yeah, love this is in CNN business, so they had to say they had a whole like. Half of the article is this, uh, half, maybe a third. So it's the significance of May 1st. Uh, just to explain to you. In case you don't know. Yeah. That's funny. Isn't there also a law that like you can only strike for like labor reasons? Like mm-hmm. you can't, you can't, like we can't strike because of Palestine. Right. So that was actually addressed in this article as well. Because mm. uh, that's also part of U.S. labor law. They can't go on strike in sympathy with another union strike, and they can't wage a strike over political issues, such as a change of government policy. It's fucked up. They were interviewing this labor professor from Rutgers, and he says, what you see in France is when the government wants to increase the retirement age, every union walks out, which I would love to have here. That'd be so fucking sick. But we can't because of the laws. Now, we can if we succeed, because the only broken strike, or the only illegal strike, rather, is a broken strike. I mean, shit, when, when abortion rights get rolled back, like every person with a uterus and people who support them just walk the fuck off the job. Be like, hey, that's fucked up. Yeah. I'm not going to work because what if I can't afford to feed my apparently many children now? And <laughs> if we succeed, we can go back to jobs. If we fail, then we're going to, it's, uh, this was uh, famously, I mean, this is American history stuff of 
Ben Franklin saying, you know, if we don't hang together, then we will surely hang separately. Mm, yeah. You know, if, if we if we don't win the strike, we're fucked. If we do, we may well get off the hook. Damn. That's sick. Yeah. So, comrade Sean Fain, kindred spirit to Sinn Fein. Absolutely. Both <laughs> of y'all are welcome. Come on in. Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> day or night. Well, usually evening. We I mean, usually record at night. But, you know, time zones. We'll figure it out. Yeah, that's Labor Corner. Great corner. I have one more thing, and it's more of a, a philosophical question, I guess, or a, th- a theory, maybe. So, And I'm curious what your answer is, because it's been a long time since I was in, in school, in, in high school, and middle school. But I remember very clearly like thinking, like, it's weird that they only teach us history up to a certain point. I think some of that was obviously, like, I was able to logic it out of like, oh, it's probably, you know, they run out of time. They are really focused on what the test teaches, things like that. But, like, looking back at it later, I'm also, like, they probably don't want to get into more of the recent shit because those people are still around and doing shit. (laughs) So, I guess I'm curious, like, where do y'all get up to these days in a a U.S. history course? Uh, U.S. history course, the most recent question they're going to ask you on a state test is, why was the election of 2008 significant? It's because we elected the first black president, Barack Obama. Okay. Is that the only thing from that time period, though? I think there's actually some stuff on his administration, like the Recovery Acts. And really? Stuff. Not very much, but... Because, like, I did, we didn't even get it to, like, Clinton, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, but how much longer ago is that? I guess, so, yeah. The next closest thing is War on Terror and that stuff. Mm, mm. I, yeah. So that gets taught, the War on Terror. That does. I, I feel like the state standards, at least here, do a good job of kind of cutting off at that point, and the official history subreddit does this uh, history memes or whatever of the 20 year cutoff. So mm. anything within 20 years is considered not history. That's not historical enough, you know, not far enough away to make real historical judgments on it. And then interesting. That's basically it. So you'll always see a bunch of memes whenever the 20th anniversary of a big event happens. Cause then it's like, Oh, <laughs> it's hell history. Yeah, we're gonna, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cute. Gosh. Okay. So I, I am now a historical person. That's great. Uh, I've been one. Yeah. <laughs> Done been one. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Pokemon is historical. That's great. Yeah, anyway. for sure. <laughs> I'm just thinking now what's historical. Um, okay, but yeah, back to the actual point. Um, <laughs> I got distracted. I guess I had always felt like those areas were very rushed. Like, I don't even think we made it to Clinton. Like, I think I was, I feel like we only made it to like the 60s or 70s or something. You know, like it was very yeah. much like... We ran out of time, guys. But you know everything we need to know about the revolution and, like, the fucking War of 1812, right? <laughs> World okay, War One, Hell yeah. Yeah, like, that's it. <laughs> it does feel that way, I think, in most history courses. I did take pride in the first two years I taught, I did get up to, quote-unquote, the present day of wow. the AP World History-like thing. And that was back when you had to teach all of World History and AP World History. Now it's AP World History Modern, 1492, mm. basically on. Uh, yeah. But back then it was like, seriously, Donna, man, to now. And I was like, oh, yeah, here's like the war on terror. But it was like fucking 2012, you know, back Jesus. Then. Yeah. yeah, that's really recent. Here's like Iran. Here's you know, that sort of shit. Wow. It wasn't, okay. it wasn't very good at the end. It was kind of like, boom, 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 boom. Here you go. Yeah, that's but what I was wondering. We did talk a little bit about it, you know, it was and it was more question answer sort of thing. It's like, here's this topic. What what's you know, what do you guys know about it sort of thing? Mm, okay. clearing clearing up and talking about kind of the shit that was happening at the time 
not that productive for like a real like a test or anything like that but it was just to give you a grasp of like what we've been talking about in the course how its historical roots relate to what you're seeing nowadays mm, okay interesting but i'm tailoring mine now with that 20 year rule in mind to kind of cut off there so i'm gonna, I'm gonna get, kind of cut off with for the u.s guys anyway you know Obama's election and everything still, just right? because it's yeah well I do cover the a little bit of Obama stuff just because it's technically on the test or it's mm-hmm. possible uh but yeah war on terror through basically to Obama that's that's like where it yeah where I drive I'm just out. I'm very fascinated by that like I would love to get my hands on like I mean I might borrow one of your textbooks just to see like what they say about that shit and like how they paint it because like so many of the players from that are still around you know like what do they say about like you know, the election of Bush and stuff like that, or, you know, like what, what mm-hmm. even, how do they frame that? And I, I think it is interesting to have to teach that material and, and in that kind of rushed context. And that's one of the things I love about our show is that we can take, you know, quote unquote, more recent history and be like, okay, what the fuck happened? Cause I don't know about it. Cause my shit cut off at like the sixties. So like, I don't know. It's a weird balancing act too. Cause you really can't, there's a limit in terms of the depth you can get into anyway. Oh, for sure. For sure. I'm not suggesting you go like, hey, guys, you want to learn about Iron Contra? <laughs> right. I mean, I'm going to cover Iron Contra because it is literally part of the, like. What do they say? What's their test question? Like, how many communists did we kill? Smiley face. No. Yeah. They don't get into all that. They just say, <laughs> uh, Reagan, he did kind of a shady thing, didn't he? I mean, he like kind of broke some rules because like they were. You know, they were doing some guns selling and mm. they were, uh, you know, not supposed to in Congress. And the, the big thing is there is a balance. of There's a separation of powers. And there's checks and balances. And really, you shouldn't go against that because that's bad. Not like dead people around the world. Yeah. But yeah. They were mad about how you did it. And uh, lying to the American people. Big no, no. Yeah. You can do the horrible war crimes. Just don't lie to people. Tell about us. It. Just tell us. I'm going to go <laughs> kill some Arab people and then just bomb them flat. Oh, Call yeah. it Freedom People Prize and you're good. Swallow that shit. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So <laughs> that's that's one weird thing about the about the te- I don't use the textbook 100 percent of the time. I use it to supplement somewhat because it's it's a source. It's there, you know. But uh, but yeah, it's it's <laughs> definitely broadly pro-American. I'm sure. I'm sure. But you know, historians have their own. History teachers have their own little subversive things to do. You know. Show a little bit of the Zapruder film. Watch the president get his head blown off on <laughs> TV sort of thing. Why not? Formative uh, moment. Yeah, just show some murder. It's fine. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I think history that happened a long time ago is also important. But I think the history that I'm more interested in these days, and I think it's largely because of our show, is more recent history. Or even like, you know, having read surveillance capitalism that that book was written in in 2017 and or yeah i think mostly written in 2017 published 2018 and you know the furthest back it goes is maybe 1990 i guess yeah that's history now but it goes up pretty current and like i think as our world becomes faster like we have to be faster and keep up with it in a way that maybe maybe i don't know maybe we didn't feel like we had to before i'm sure people did but I just think it's really important to be able to look back at more current events, I guess, and, and still be able to like have an analysis and, and not just say like, I don't fucking know yet. (laughs) Yeah. 
I would definitely agree with that. I think that the, uh, what is it, like periodization of things um, has really, I think, scooted forward or, you know, scrunched up into the more modern times a lot yes. more. It's like this was the whole dynasty and it was like hundreds of years. All right, done. You know, where and then, yeah, as it moves forward, it's like, blah, 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 like so many movements. Yeah. Like when you're looking at the deep history of things now, it's more like you have to start with, okay, the deepest you should really bother with going <laughs> to understand the world system is the Colombian exchange, like mm-hmm. Columbus and the initial like, uh, genocide primitive accumulation of capital and yeah like you know let's bleed this continent to feed the other continent sort of Mm -hmm. empiricness that's as deep as you as far back as you need to go and that's like really the roots of the modern world definitely and then if you want to understand you know weird lines on a map then you should study british imperialism (laughs) you know if you want to understand you know um settler colonialism case study is the United States. I mean, like there, there's like different aspects of it in that ancient history. And then if you want to like, just understand why is the world the way it is, you really, I think have to start with the world wars. Yeah. Like that's yeah. the main I, I crux really of it so. is when you, when you get into the modern history of everything, it's like, okay, well that, that, that deep history, not as deep as the rest is that, that substratum of the geologic layer is, Starts with the world wars. Because, because I mean, when we learned it, I think it was very much, well, there was World War One, mm-hmm. And then it was, it was, it was pretty stupid. They did it again. They just like, <laughs> they fought because they were, they had a lot of money and they were, they were like rivals, you know? Yeah. It was like, they fought because everyone had treaties. And I was like, okay, so are treaties bad? Like, it was like a gang fight. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Too many friends. They fought. <laughs> the group chat went up in flames. Uh, and then, you know, everything fell apart a little while. I mean, we had a great, we had, things were nice and we had the great depression and then assholes showed up and fucked everything <laughs> up and we had to fight another war. But like, really? War one is, I mean, World the, War two is setup. just a continuation of World War one. Yeah. It's just yeah. like round two. It's like, oh wait, you know, uh, we got stomped down for a little bit, but we're back assholes. You know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, it was just like revengeism or whatever. Like, yeah, we're back. still doing our you know, colonialist project, imperialist project, and now we're pissed off. Yeah. And, and so then to understand how World War II was the 20th century shaper that it was, I mean, because it's the root of the Cold War, which is the 20th century itself, the whole conflict of how we're going to do socialism or capitalism. I mean, then then the, the roots are World War One. I. I mean, so that's that's really where it starts. It's yeah, basically yeah. what you got to go with. Well, I think I, I mean, I think I, and I'm sure lots of other kids were done such a disservice of not getting the full story of communism in there because it was portrayed as just like this weird cultural thing that no one could really explain. Like, and then you have these weirdos. Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. like, you know, we weren't really taught about the October Revolution. We weren't really taught about, we, it was just like, it happened. That was nuts. People were freaked out. Anyway, back to the important shit. Like, it was very yeah. much like, it was very obfuscated. It was very, it felt random. It felt just like, okay, why are we doing this now? You know? <laughs> right. It was just like, all of a sudden we decided these are the bad guys. We don't like them. They're, mm-hmm. they're weird. And it had, <laughs> at, you know, depending on the, uh, the person delivering it, depending on <laughs> the moment or the source you were using, it varied from just like weird people 
like cultural, very greedy like, to racial stuff of like, mm, these are the Asiatics. These are like the, yes. the hordes who, I mean, that's kind of like, sorry to put that out, but like, that's kind of how it was sort of not taught explicitly, but characterized um, for sure. Yeah, it was like a strange Eastern, uh, you know, anti-human sort of thing of like, you are just a number. It, there's that, mm. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you're, you're just a cog in a machine sort of thing characterization of it i mean you see that too with with the fucking characterization of of japan in world war ii and justifications for the atom bomb of like oh they're gonna fight to the last man i'm like you really think that they don't have any sort of humanity to understand the cost of life right it's it's this caricature sort of overbearing thing of like oh yeah they all saw the emperor as a god that they would Mm -hmm. kill their children to defend and it's like they're also people I mean, they're, they're fucking regular ass people and like they a lot of them i'm sure don't have a choice on being there you know like yeah. fucking what are you gonna do and again uh we've discussed it on the show sometimes but like there was debate within the like imperial cabinet of what we should do in terms of should we how you know should we surrender how fast should we surrender should we have conditions all this stuff like if those guys are debating it you can rest the fucking sure that regular <laughs> ass people were doing it too Oh, for sure. Yeah. And like Japan, like we've talked about on the show, like had a history of like resistance people who were not okay with what the fuck they were doing, you know, like it's not a monolith. And I think history in in many ways encourages us to make those kinds of monolithic cultures to understand things quickly. And I'm sure it does not help when you are rushing through things. It's uh, impossible to do if you are trying to do it well. It's pretty easy to do if you're trying to do it sloppily. Mm-hmm. It's just like, well, we had, fought the, we had fought the communists, so. <laughs> protecting our way of life. Everyone won't tell you the way of life is, you know, struggling to pay rent and working so you can live. and Getting then, to go to the Cheesecake Factory now and then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Getting a little treat to keep you quiet. They should just start assigning open veins in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Read this shit. Get pissed off. I want you even more angsty. Yeah, no, the most I do on that is like excerpts from things. It's just like a little, little uh, <laughs> here's like a Eugene it. Debs speech. Here you go. Like, <laughs> but it doesn't yeah, do anything because yeah. they're not there. And that's good, kind of. You know, it's all about trying to stir them a little bit. Okay, are we are we done? I think so. We'll make it a little bit of a short one. Yeah. We we started late, so I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> Lost some steam. Yeah. I mean, it's tough talking about all this depressing shit. There's some good shit in there too. So go support what you can. Uh, I'll I'll put in links in the show notes and in the Patreon. Go stand um, Sean Fain. Go stand that man. I love that. I love <laughs> that guy. Bring him back Mayday. <laughs> Mark your calendars. Put it in your calendar. Like, I'm opening my calendar app. 2028. Like, <laughs> we're going to be there. Shit, man. I, I don't have that much time, man. I got to... It's five years. I got to not only... Less than five years. I got to not only, like, start, like, a union chapter in my area, then, you know, get that going, get a contract, and get it to expire within that time. <laughs> uh, what should I title it? Uh, strike of strikes <laughs> yeah the big one yeah. Yeah, i'm just gonna call it the big one in all caps and see if i remember it i love doing this to myself 
it's in my calendar, so. Hell yeah. I'll be very confused in five years or very like, I know, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, until until then, and also before then, because we'll be back next week, uh, we'll talk to you later. Next week, we'll be finishing up Surveillance Capitalism Part 2. Hell yeah. All right. Bye. Adios. Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.